0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm so excited you're here. I want to open up with a story. Um, <clears throat> about eight, nine years ago, uh, this happened with my son Dave, who's now 27, and uh, will be 27 in January. Uh, he, he went to school out in California. And um, he's out there going to school, and he became very ill. He had pain that just went through his entire body. His body was constantly in pain. And then he was always tired, and he'd find himself going two hours and having to sleep, going two hours, having to sleep, so he had to drop out of school. He went to experts out there on the West Coast, and nobody could find anything wrong with him. And people would just say, we're not sure what it is. And then they'd send him to another doctor, then another doctor. And uh, finally, the last doctor he went to said, you need to go to a psychiatrist. This is all in your head. So he ended up coming back home. He's, he's just laying in bed in pain at our home. We took him s- to some more doctors here. And finally, I thought about calling a doctor out of state who uh, we, we knew of. And he, he was a doctor, but also a holistic, natural type of doctor. So we called him, and he said, you know what? Uh, there's a strains of superbugs that uh, America isn't in the lead for detecting. He says, but the nation of Holland, they're out there ahead of everybody. He said, let me send you a kit, let's do his blood work. So we, he sent us a kit, we shipped the blood work out to Holland. He got to report back and he said, it's a super strain of Lyme's disease. And he says, we, we also have a new treatment that's not antibiotic to treat it. So they gave him two regiments of that and he ended up actually getting over it and being okay. But the reason I share the story is for this. I watched my wife and what she went through during that time. And men and women are a little different typically in those ways. Fathers and mothers are a little bit differently because I'm hurting for my son, I'm praying for my son. But I watched Gina, Gina's crying. And I mean, she would lay in bed at night and cry over what her son was going through. She'd cry about his future. She'd cry about the fact he had to drop out of school. And then she water fasted and she prayed. And, and, and I'm watching her, and I'm seeing the pain in her eye eyes, and I'm like, "Whoa, I mean, I, I know I love my son, and I'm praying for him, but I, men, typically, we don't react in those ways, but I saw the extreme pain that my wife went through because of what our son was going through. And can all of us agree, male or female, that when our kids suffer, we suffer? And if you're visiting today, I want to welcome you to a very merry capital M-A-R-Y. Christmas, and today we're going to talk about the subject of pain. All of us experience pain, and I hope to put it into a perspective that will really help us out. Mary ex- experienced some incredible pain, and you know, the angel appeared to her, and it was quite, quite an appearance. Uh, I love the Christmas story, and he shocked her, and he said, you're blessed among women, and then he said this to her. I'm paraphrasing, but here's what he said. He said, the creator of heaven and earth the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who always existed, the God who will always exist, you're gonna be the vessel in which he comes into the earth, you're gonna supply the earth suit, the Holy Spirit's gonna cause all that to happen, and then you're gonna be his mom and raise him until he gets old enough to go into ministry. That had to be mind blowing for a 15 slash 16 year old girl, she was somewhere around that age, for her to hear that, can you imagine that? But I think also at the same time she had to think, my life is going to be incredible from this point on, right? God's going to be in my household. Can you imagine that? Anytime trouble comes, God can fix that, that problem. So she, she had to have ideas of a pain-free life. But then Mary ended up really suffering some incredible pain. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I want you to walk out today. My goal is to make this come alive in you. I want you to understand this better than you've ever understood it. And goes like this. Life's pain is an opportunity God's power, and I don't, I don't want you to walk out with the mentality that because we're Christians God, God makes us suffer, and suffering is good, that's not what I'm talking about, but I, I do want to say this, because you're a human being, you're going to have pain, all, all of us suffer pain on this earth, um, The beginning of this year, near the beginning, I did a series titled Test, and in lesson one I talked about the five places, there's five places where all our trouble comes from which causes pain. And guess what? God's not any of the five places. God's the good guy. All right. I want to make sure you understand that. And and I want you to walk out understanding life's pain is an opportunity. What's it an opportunity for? For God's power, God's help, God's grace to come into your life and help you get through it. And can we all agree there's different types of pain? There's there's some pain God can't fix. He can only help us walk through it. Like for instance, students that are here. Um, if you can remember the first breakup you had, you were dating, you know. Now, if you're the one that broke up, you probably had no pain. But, but if you were broken up with, you remember that pain? There's, I call that relationship pain. And, and anybody that's been divorced, anybody that's had terrible relationships, uh, you know that pain. That's relationship pain. Typically, you can't change it. You can't fix it. But God can give you this incredible grace to walk through it. He can heal your heart. He can get you to the other side. Then there's some things that God can literally fix. And so we want to just talk about life's pain as an opportunity for God's power. And I think Mary probably thought, I don't have to have any more pain. The Apostle Paul thought, now that I'm a Christian, I don't have to have any more pain. But boy, did he have a lot of pain. And I want to talk to you about his pain. And I noticed myself... There was a time when I thought, since I'm a Christian, but not only a Christian, I'm like working for God, so I'm a pastor. I shouldn't have all the problems other people have, but I'll never forget the worst month of my life. Here's how it went. I got into this crazy car accident, and uh, my neck and my back, they they were a mess. Nothing broke, thank God, but I was going to a chiropractor, and so I have a rental car, and uh, my car's in the shop being fixed, and two weeks into that rental car two weeks from the accident that I have, I'm sitting at a, a red light, and the light's red. My foot's on the brake. My brake lights are on. It's about nine o'clock at night. A young girl just she just got out of work, and for some reason she didn't see the red light or my brake lights. She's going 35 plus, and she hits my car without braking, and 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 it. I'm telling you, whiplash hurts, and it was, and now I'm sitting in a rental car, that's now a mess. And so now I have to go to the hospital. I have to be looked at again. So now everything the chiropractor did is, is undone. So I go back to him another couple of weeks, about a week and a half or so, and I'm beginning to feel good again. And then I had a lunch appointment at Leo's restaurant. And I left the chiropractor, and I thought, let me get to my appointment. It's winter time, And I'm walking on the sidewalk. There's ice. I don't see it. And I hit that ice, and my feet, both of them go up in the air, my back and head hit the sidewalk and i'm laying there like this is the worst month of my life it's like god come on can i should at least have some kind of force field around me because i am really serving you all out here what's going on have you ever felt that way when may, maybe your kids go a wrong direction, and you, you feel the pain because of the direction they chose to go, or your parents do something nuts, and kids, you feel the direction, you know, you feel the pain from what they did, or physically you're dealing with something, financially you're dealing with something, relationally pain happens. So the Apostle Paul, he had more pain than anyone in this room will ever suffer. Here's why. God called him to be the first person to go, go to the non-Jews and share Jesus with him. So that was his purpose. Peter's purpose was to go to the Jews and share Jesus. Paul's purpose was to go to the non-Jews. So he has that, but then God called him to finish the Bible. Can you imagine that? So he's going to complete the Bible. He wrote nearly three-quarters of the New Testament. That man had a target on his back. And you know, the Bible says the enemy literally assigned an, an evil spirit to buffet him. That's what the King James Bible says. And all this guy did is he stirred up trouble for Paul everywhere Paul went. So Paul was chased out of towns. Paul was stoned. They left him for dead, and God raised him up. See, uh Paul... life's pain is an opportunity for God's power. He was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. And, and I really believe sometimes the enemy can even cause the weather to come against us. He doesn't do it hardly ever, but sometimes he can. Read Job chapter 1, chapter 2, and the enemy did that to Job. All I'm trying to say is Paul had all kinds of trouble because of what God called him to do. And I really believe when we accept Jesus, we're going to have trouble just because we're human beings. But when we accept Jesus, sometimes even some extra problems hit us. and God doesn't want us walking around defeated and bummed out. He wants us to learn what Paul learned. But Paul starts complaining. He starts saying to God, I can't believe this is happening in my life. And he asked God, he said, take this away from me. And I felt that way many times. And he was shocked with the answer God gave him, and it was written down so you and I can can learn it and understand it. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians, and I want you to take note of what happened. 2 Corinthians 8. Three times I, Paul, I pleaded with God, with the Lord, to take it away from me. He's referring to that evil agent that was bringing all the pain. So he's talking about God. I want a pain-free life. And then verse 9, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Doesn't make a lot of sense now. For some of you it does. We're going to take it up in a moment. So Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's, that's incredible. Weaknesses are referring to all the trouble, all the pain that he has in his life. But look, at, look at verse 9. Here's God's answer. Paul says, I want a pain-free life, and I've I've prayed that way to God many times. And God said, no, no, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all you need. Now, he interchanged the word grace with power. Power just means his ability to do anything. So he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And, And now he says, for my power, so power and grace are interchangeable. Power there means God's ability to can do anything. Now, notice this, it's made perfect when you're in pain, that's what weakness means. means when you're, when you're at your worst, my power is made perfect. Now, the word perfect, incredible word, you never have to remember. It. It's the Greek word, teleos. You know what it means? That which has come to its full fruition. That's all it means. So here's what God's saying. The more the enemy brings at you, the more life brings at you, the more this earth brings at you, the more pain you're in, that's an opportunity because that's when my power can be turned up to the highest level. And so Paul all of a sudden had his eyes open and God said, I don't want you walking with your head down and and defeat in an attitude of woe is me and life stinks and that type of attitude. He said, here's what I want you to understand. Whatever life throws at you, I have power that can match whatever problem you're going through. I have this thing called grace, power, and he says, I can come on you, and he says, that power will take you through, it'll walk you through the hardest times, it'll walk you through heartbreaking times, and it also can do some really cool and miraculous things in my life, and you know how I talked about the two car accidents, and and then the fall on the sidewalk, all within a month, I want to also make sure I mention at this time, God's grace was on my life. And God walked me through that. God brought me healing. I went to doctors, but man, God did some supernatural things, and I came out of it 100% okay. And that's what God's wanting to do for each and every one of us in every area of our life. So listen to how he ends this, 2 Corinthians 12.10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight um, in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I like this, then I am strong. So here's what he's saying. Christians aren't supposed to be wimps. But man, when it really hurts, God has a thing better than Tylenol. When it really hurts, he has something better than anything you and I can, can, can get into to help us. Not that we don't have other help, but he says, I have a power. And Paul said, the more trouble I'm going to, the higher the power of God can come up in my life. That's why I want you to walk out remembering this. Life's pain is an opportunity for God's power. God had to open up Paul's eyes. Guess who else had to learn about this? Mary. Mary had to learn about this. And it all began in giving birth to Jesus. So think about that. Just nine months into this, she had to deal with this thing called pain. And she probably expected not to have any. So I want to just talk about Mary and how she had to endure the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus had some difficult situations with it. Uh, take a look at this. Let's go ahead and read about the travel. This is Luke 2, verse 1. I thought I'd read a little bit of the Christmas story in this lesson. In those days, Caesar Augustus I- uh, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph went also up to the town of Naz- uh, from the town of Nazareth to Galilee uh, to Judea to Bethlehem, sorry about that, the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and he was ex- or she was expecting a child. Now guys, I want you to think about this. Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 80 miles. That's a long way. She was in her ninth month and now she has to travel 80 miles. You know how we see pictures of Mary, probably, you know, pictures on, she's on a donkey going, going to Bethlehem. We're not sure if she was on a donkey. We're not sure if she was in a cart, but imagine a cart, wooden cart, wooden wheels, terrible roads. And whether you're on donkey or cart, it's like, boom, boom, boom. just imagine nine months pregnant, how crazy that would be, 80 miles. So if I were Mary, here's what I would think, and I, I'm, I'm convinced, we'll ask her when we arrive in heaven, I'm convinced she thought this. She thought God, I'm not going to travel on a donkey or in a cart or walk 80 miles in my ninth month. And God, you sent a fiery chariot out of heaven to pick Elijah up. And, and, and I'd like you to send that here so I can go from Nazareth to Bethlehem in, in two seconds. And, and God, no bumps. I would think she prayed something like that. And I would think it was kind of like this, where she's telling Joseph, let's wait one more day. I know God's going to answer my prayer. I know God's going to answer my prayer. Have you ever been there? Like, God, you're a little bit late. What's going on? This pain really hurts. And and then finally, Joseph said, you know what? We're going to miss the date. We're going to be in trouble with the Roman Empire. We don't want to be in trouble with the Roman Empire. Get on the donkey. So I'm sure while she's riding that donkey, if I were her, here's what i think. All right, God, because I have bartered with God before. All right, you're late on this one, God. All right, I don't know why, but... Uh, you know, I forgive you. Okay, so, so now, so now, God, now, I'm expecting a five-star hotel. I don't know, if, if I were her, I'd be thinking, I'm giving birth to the creator of the universe. You're using me as a vessel. Uh, I think he should be born in something really nice. So you're thinking, five-star hotel, the, the best one out there. And they arrive, and guess what? There's no room, no room at all. So I, I want to read a verse to you. It's an amazing verse. And and it says this, Luke 2.6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, we're going to talk about the location in a second, but I I want you to think about something else. I remember when my wife gave birth to our firstborn, Joseph, and... uh, we're in the hospital, she's in labor, and I, I you know, they, I went to classes, but I didn't expect what I saw, and, and I saw the pain of labor, and, and then, you know, it's five minutes, it's four minutes, it's like, huh, and, and so I'm standing there, and one of the thoughts that came to my mind was this, if God had made men to be the ones that gave birth, there, every family would have one kid, because once I saw that pain as a man, I am not doing that again. And I think this would happen, too. You know what else I think would happen? I think most of us would hear how bad it is, and we'd say, we'll just adopt. But then I think there'd be a problem because no men would be having babies because we're the ones having babies. There wouldn't be anybody to adopt. And so just think, guys, for a moment, think of the pain of giving birth, okay? I've not experienced it, but I watched it. It looks really painful. Now... Think about the fact she didn't just give birth in a beautiful hospital room in a soft bed. She gave birth in a barn. Do you see the word manger? You know, when we think of manger, we see pictures. It's like a little wooden crib with straw, and they laid Jesus in. Do you know, this, this, look, take a look at this picture. This is a picture of a Bible manger. Uh, it, it, it's littler, literally a food trough, and they put the animal food in, and just imagine those animals hovering over. They're taking bites and they're slobbering as they chew, and food's falling out of their mouth. It, it wasn't this pleasant little straw bed. It was that. Joseph had to clean it out. But you know what's worse than that, guys? Mary was laying in a the barn. There's animals all around, and she's smelling the animals. She's smelling the byproduct of the animals. She's hearing all the crazy noise. She's on dirt. Can you imagine what she was going through? And as she laid there, no five-star hotel was given to her. She has them in a barn. Now, she didn't know this, but Jesus needed to be born under humble circumstances. But she found that out later. But you know what I think about Mary through this whole birth process? She learned what Paul learned. She learned what you and I learned, that life's pain is an opportunity for God's power. And I'm sure God's help came upon her and God helped her through that moment but you know what happened next with her she suffered what all of us suffer at one time or another in our lives it's called separation pain she suffered separation pain and uh, I remember when my daughters were young you know Deanna's in the front row in in this service Michelle was singing today and Michelle's older Deanna Deanna and her a little under two years apart we used to cuddle, and they would hold my hands, and we'd watch TV, and they'd cuddle with me, and we'd hold hands, and uh, we did it when they were three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years old. They would just cuddle, and we hold hands. We'd walk through the mall, and I'd hold their hands as we walked through the mall. Then Michelle hit about twelve, and she stopped holding my hand, and then she she left a separation. She wouldn't even cuddle, and 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 thankfully De- Deanna was young; and she was still. Uh, holding my hand and cuddling but Michelle wouldn't do it anymore and and I was uh, alone with Gina and I said Gina Michelle hates me (laughs) she said what do you mean I said she won't even hold my hand anymore she won't cuddle anymore I said what did I do I don't know what I did and Gina just starts to laugh she said honey she's turning into a woman it's a little awkward when they get into that I said awkward that's my little baby she said, no, she said now she's turning into a woman, and it's just, it's going to change. Now, that's not terrible, but that really broke my heart, that separation. Some of you are in here, and your kids, and you are out of sorts. You're not even talking. That hurts. Mary had that happen. With Jesus he loved her but there was a separation it had to come because he's the Son of God so li- listen listen to how this reads and uh, th- this is uh, Luke 8 and uh, verse 19 it reads like this now Jesus mother and brothers came to see him uh, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd someone told Jesus your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you so th- I I'd like to think how this worked, you know, because, you know, the person who told Jesus, he had to be Jesus' security guard, because um, all the big-time ministers have security, right? They have these big guys, so I remember this literally happened to me. I have lots of stories, because I just, I don't know, I do things I shouldn't, so, so, Gina and I are in in Seoul, South Korea, and we're visiting, we're, we're going to a Dr. Cho church growth clinic, and, uh, so I had a friend that was on his board, so they got us into all the lunches and all the dinners, and it was cool. So it's the last night, and the board members are big ministers from all over the world, big, you know, well-known ministers. And, and, uh, and so the last night, I, I got to talk to Dr. Cho, and I walked away, and I'm talking with Gina, and then Benny Hinn walked in, and he's on the board, and I'd never met him, but he walked in with the two biggest security guards I had ever, ever saw in my life, they were about, both about six five, and they were chiseled, muscles everywhere. And he's talking th- to Doctor Cho, and, and we're over here, and these guys are in front of him like this. And I told Gina, "I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Sh- I've never met Benny. I'm going to go shake his hands." And Gina just looked at me and said, "Security guards don't do it. They're not going to let you near them. I said, "Honey, I have a badge. See that says I belong at this dinner, and those security guards are going to know I'm safe." And she said, don't do it. And I said, come on, let's go. S-. She said, I'm not coming with you. I'm just not going to come with you. <laughs> I said, come on, honey. It's, they're they're going to say, sure. They're just here in case some crazy people run in here from another room, you know. So I walk over, and the guys step out, and they're like this. And, and he's talking to Dr. Cho. He doesn't look. They go, uh, sir, where are you going? I said, I want to shake Benny's hand. And, and they said, uh, we can't let you do that. No one's allowed to get near him. I said, I just want to say hi to him. They said, you can't do it. So at that time, I wanted to be like Mary and the brother and say, hey, hey I'm, I'm Bobby Hinn. I, I, I am Bobby Hinn. I am his brother. And uh, he's <laughs> expecting me. And if you don't let me through, I'm going to slay you in the spirit or something like that. It crossed my mind. But then they were too big to even joke with. So, so, so I just walked away. You know, have you ever walked a, sh- a walk of shame? Your head's down. It's like everybody knows, oh, he got turned away by the security. Um, that happened with Mary and her, and, and, and her kids. But I think she felt a lot different because she looked at the security guys and said, tell Jesus his mom's here. So she's expecting, she's expecting for that, that guy when he talks to Jesus, she's expecting Jesus to say, Mom, usher her in. Bring her through the crowd. I want to see my mom. I want to see my brothers. Take a look at what Jesus did. Verse 21, Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You know, if you read on, he doesn't acknowledge his his mom or his brothers. Can you imagine the pain she must have felt? Now, he's not being mean to her. She didn't do anything wrong, but he's now operating as the Son of God, and, and, and he's now in another place. And Jesus wants to make a point, and the point is this. When we believe in him, we all become his family. And he's just trying to make a point here. But I'm thinking of Mary and how she must have felt. It had to be way worse than when I walked away from Benny Hinn. I mean, she had to feel great shame because her son didn't even acknowledge her. And if you're here and you're dealing with any relationship pain whatsoever, I want to say to you, Mary dealt with it. Mary did what all of us had to do, have to do. She did what Paul did. She had to understand life's pain is an opportunity for God's power. And I can only imagine how God, the way he does it, I don't know how to explain it to you. But the Holy Spirit had to minister life to her comfort and give her the grace to walk through it. But the toughest thing she had to deal with, it had to be his death. And nothing's more painful than a child dying and a parent having to um, bury a child. I I have done so many funerals where that happened. It's the saddest thing ever. My brother died. I watched the pain in my mom and dad's eyes. It's very painful. Mary had it even worse. I mean, she watched them beat him with, with whips. She watched them take a, th- a crown of thorns and, and stick it into his skull, and she sees the blood coming out. She watched them spit on him. They, they, they cussed at him. They slapped him. They said derogatory things about him. She watched him carry his cross and fall three times, and everybody in the crowd spitting and shouting and calling them names, and, and there's his mom. Can you imagine witnessing your child going through that, guys? She watched them nail him to the cross. She watched him hanging there. But you know what? As painful as that was, she experienced what all of us can experience. Life's pain is an opportunity for God's power, and I'm sure the grace of God came on her. Jesus did something really sweet. Can I read it to you? I thought this was sweet. He took care of his mom. John 19, 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, her, woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, which was John, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So right away he begins to minister life to her, right? He begins to make sure some grace hits her by giving her a solid foundation as he leaves this earth. But you guys remember, right? Three days and three nights later, did something happen? Jesus came out of the grave. Did he appear to someone? He appeared to Mary. And, and all of a sudden, the very grace and power of God ministered life to her. And I really believe God wants to give everybody in this room that's suffering any kind of pain, some kind of resurrection with his power and his life. And it could just be comfort. It could just be the strength to keep walking through it. Sometimes it's deliverance. It's God just setting you free from the thing. But I want to end Guys, by showing you something you can do to help this come into your life a little quicker. It's something I learned to do. I did it when I was going through the two car accidents and the sidewalk problem. And, and it releases God to do some great things in our life. And listen to this scripture. It, it's, it's Hebrews, and it's chapter 4, verse 16, and it reads like this. This is my last scripture today. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy And find grace to help us in our time of need. So let's talk about it. God's throne of grace is referring to us praying, so we're going to God in prayer. Isn't it cool that he calls it the throne of grace? He describes it as grace. That's God's ability that supersedes ours. That's the power of God. That's God's unmerited favor. You and I, if we're Christians, we have the right to go to the throne of grace. That's pretty cool. But then listen to this, so that we may receive mercy did you notice how I put mercy before God's grace, which is what we're talking about? Do you know what mercy's for? Mercy's for when we blow it. Mercy's for when we need forgiveness. Mercy's for when we're, we're suffering pain because we did the wrong thing or we made the wrong choice. And this is exciting to me. Think about it, guys. Because sometimes when we're suffering pain and we think, well, if I didn't make that bad choice, I wouldn't be suffering this pain. We, we think God doesn't want to see us. God's upset with us. God's saying, you come with confidence. I don't care if you even blew it. He said, I have some mercy for you, and then we'll deal with the grace part. Mercy is God forgiving us. And it's amazing that even if I have pain in my life because I made a dumb choice, I can say, God, forgive me, man. I blew it. And God says, this is not just the throne of grace. This is a throne of mercy, which means he forgives us. Mercy is you don't deserve it, but God gives it to you. So if you're here today and you've not been going to God for help because you think you blew it, I hope hope that settles it and you you say, I'm going to go to God today. But then notice what he calls, he goes on to say, to obtain help, to obtain grace, to help you in your time of struggle. So what did Paul learn? He learned that, man, I can ask God to give me the strength, to give me the ability to deal with this pain, to overcome this pain, to walk through this thing. And that's exciting. That's why my heart is you walk out of here understanding this truth. Life's pain is an opportunity for God's power. And when I'm going through really tough times, I just go to the throne of grace and I say, God, this really hurts. This really stinks. If I'm really upset, I say, this really sucks. I mean, it depends how upset I am. And, And I'm just being real with you. I say, God, I can't take this God, I need grace, and it's amazing. I can't explain it to you, but that life will come on you, and God will begin to do what only God can do. Are you guys ready to pray a little bit before we go out today? Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Now, here's the first thing we have to pray, guys. You ready? Some of you need mercy because, you know, maybe you're guilty right now. You say, God, I've done this wrong. I, I don't deserve to come to you and would you just do what the Bible teaches and say God forgive me for what I did my, my wrong choice got me into this terrible place and just whisper it to him just say God forgive me and right now throughout this whole room God's extending his mercy that means he forgives you he wipes it clean he'll never hold you accountable for it would you do that right now if you need to some of you don't need to But if you need to, just say, God, I'm sorry. And now as we're here, some of of you students, some of the students that are here, you're suffering some things. It could be a lot of different things. may not be physical. But if you're here and you say, man, this pain is hurting. These struggles I'm going through are tough. Would you just right now, you can whisper. Just say, God, help me. Give me grace, Lord. If you're here and you're dealing with physical pain, you're dealing with financial struggles, you're dealing with relationship problems, maybe you lost somebody you love to death, w- would you just right now just whisper and say, God, I need more of your grace. I need your help. I'm just going to give you a moment to do that. If you're here and say, my life's really good right now, I'm so happy it is. I'm so happy for you. But living on this earth, you'll have some challenges in the future. Now you know what to do with them. Heads are bad, eyes are closed. Lord, I want to pray for everyone in this room. I thank you for these incredible people. Uh, Lord, I've done my best to bring across a Bible truth. Only you can help us see it and understand it clearly. Lord, all of us are from different places in life, but all of us need your grace. And I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. And Lord, we thank you that life's pain is an opportunity for your power. And Lord, the next time we're in a tough spot, remind us not to complain. Remind us to pray and ask for grace. And I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. Let's stay in an attitude prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment more. You know, there might be a couple of you here, you say, Pastor Joe. In your message, you kept saying, if you're a Christian, you have this privilege. If you're a Christian, you have that privilege. I want to make sure if you're here and you're not a Christian, you understand how to become a Christian. And it's really simple. I I did it at 19. And, you know, if you grow up in America, you can be really confused on this. So listen very carefully. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church or any kind of church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all great things, wonderful things, but that's not what I'm asking you. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal and you said, Jesus, I realize that I'm lost. I realize I'm separated from you and I believe that you died for me. I believe God raised you from the grave and today I make a decision to follow you. That's what happened when I was 19 and it took God months to bring me to that place. So, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm there. I'm ready today. I'd like you to pray with me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Everyone else in the room, can you help them as they pray? And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't remember a moment like this, but I'm ready right now, if you pray this from your heart, a Bible, uh, Bible miracle will happen. God will save you. That's a Bible word, but He will cause you to become His child. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Say this after me uh, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Now, let's make it real with Jesus. Say say this after me. Uh, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you out of that grave. And I make a decision today to accept you as my Savior. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast.